Hey guys, this is Brian Jodis with Pick Up The Six Podcasts, and today is Medal of Honor Day in America. I'm on the USS Yorktown in Charleston, spending the day with my friends at the Congressional Medal of Honor Society, and taking a few minutes to talk to living recipients of the Medal of Honor. This is Colonel Joe Marm. Brian Jodis back once again for Pick Up The Six Podcast. We're at Medal of Honor Day here on the USS Yorktown in Charleston, South Carolina. I have Colonel Joe Marm with me, sir. It is just an honor and a privilege to meet you today. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Very, very special day for us. It sure is. Before we get to that, we have an incredibly small world uh, bit of uh, information that we just found out. Where I grew up when I was a kid, Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, and my dad was squadron commander of the 335th, later the wing com or the group commander there. Uh, you've spent quite a bit of time there. In fact, you don't live but 10 or 15 minutes away from there. That's correct. Now. I live uh, the next town up uh, in Fremont, and I would go to Seymour Johnson to, you know, to go to the commissary and the PX there. It's amazing. It's, it's a great base. It sure is, it's and, and it's a place that is near and dear to our heart. The, the sound of those F-15s flying overhead, it never gets old. It never got old for me as a kid, and when I get to visit today, it never gets old. It's called the sound of freedom. Yes, sir. That's exactly <laughs> right. It comes screeching across the sky, and that workhorse of an airplane that we love uh, so much today, th this amazing day, right? March 25th as Medal of Honor Day, to have this day set aside, to be here today. What does it mean for you and to also be with your fellow recipients? It's, uh, you know, it's a very, very special day. Uh, of the th you know, the th you know the, there's only 66 of us that are still living, so it's quite an honor to be, uh, to wear the medal uh, for all the brave men and women that we serve with in, in our combat tours. You told me that you and uh, Barney Barnum, who also was on Pick Up the Six podcast, are the only two, I think, living recipients who received your medal not from the president. That's correct. How did that, how did that work? There's 262 total Vietnam uh, Medal of Honor recipients, 100 living, 162 posthumous. Mm -hmm. Of the 100, uh, uh, <coughs> Two of us, only two of uh, the living recipients, uh, did not receive their medal from the president. Myself, uh, I, I was given, I was awarded my medal by the Secretary of the Army mm -hmm. 13 months after the battle on a very cold December day wow. uh, outside the Pentagon. And Barney got his a few months later from the Secretary of the Navy. Now, President Johnson wanted to keep Vietnam. Uh, according to Barney, a low profile, didn't sure. want a lot of publicity. Sure. Sure. So he had the secretaries uh, present us our medal. Well, it was a different time, wasn't it, sir? And, and unfortunately, you guys were not met with the reception that we believe you should have. So we always take a moment with our Vietnam veterans to say welcome home and thank you for that service. Thank November you. the 14th, 1965. What do you remember from that day? Oh, boy. <laughs> It was a very, very intense battle. We were outnumbered. Uh, uh, our unit was the 7th Cavalry, like uh, General Custer's unit. We thought we were in another little bighorn surrounded and outnumbered. We had a lot of assets Custer didn't have. We had the Air Force, uh, the Navy, and the Marine fast movers flying overhead and giving us uh, uh, close air support. Uh, we had uh, lots of artillery support and mortar support. But we were trying to get to the platoon was trapped on the side of a mountain. Mm. We made two attempts that first day and didn't make it because of the intensity of the, the enemy. We couldn't get up there to them. So uh, we, we, we got up there, the, we, we did it the next day, but uh, that platoon held off three attacks that night. Uh, they put a ring of steel around their position on the side of uh, Chupong Mountain wow. and were able to, uh, to, to keep the North Vietnamese away from them. And uh, all the chain of command was, uh, was killed or wounded in uh, a young E-5 a uh, buck sergeant named Ernie Savage took over and he uh, never lost another man killed or wounded. Really? Oh. Tell me about him stepping up in that moment. Do you, do you remember 
taking charge and, and sort uh, of keeping everyone moving forward? Well, my, my job, we made two attempts yeah. uh, to get up there to them. And my job was, uh, I was a platoon leader. First job out of uh, OCS uh, was to, you know, to take, and we went to Vietnam in, uh, you know, the whole division of mm -hmm. uh, 15,000 first cav troopers. You, you know, we went over on merchant marine ships and the, the uh, helicopters went over on aircraft carriers. Yeah. And it took us a month to get over. We left out of Charleston here. And, sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, boarded a merchant marine ship and then headed uh, through the Panama Canal up to, up to uh, and across the Pacific through a typhoon. Yeah. And 30 days on that ship. And we wow. were, uh, you know, getting ready for, you know, we were shooting off the fantail, you know, uh, yeah. practicing with our yeah. weapons. And, sure. Prepared, getting prepared. Yeah, try, yeah. The, the day of that, you know, it seemed like it was a long process. Did, did it feel like it would ever end? Did you have moments where you felt like this thing might not end or it might end in a really bad way? There's a unique story. Uh, a runner came over to me from the uh, my company commander who was uh, named Tony, Captain Tony Nadal. He said, uh, he, he said the commander's been wounded here in charge. He wanted me to be in charge. And I said, "Well, it's just like Rangers, where they put you in a in a tough position uh, at a very critical moment." So I, I I told my my platoon sergeant to take over. I had to go take over the company. Wow. So I went over to the command post, and there he was standing talking on the radio. I missed the first word of that in the heat of the battle. I didn't hear the word if my company commander gets wounded. Sure, you're in charge. So, so you just heard you were in charge. So, so I went back and took over my platoon again. Right. So that was nice, but. Right. Uh, but there was one uh, machine gun position was right in front of our, you know, my platoon. Mm -hmm. And people said, well, why didn't you get tremendous charge that position and take it out? Well, I tried. I, I, I first had one of my men shoot a bazooka, a light anti-tank weapon. It's a tank killing weapon, you know, into the, into the position. Uh -huh. And he tried to shoot it, but it didn't go off for him because of all the humidity and, and uh, wow. moisture we had there. So I took it from him and I rearmed it, but I closed it up and I opened it up and put it on my shoulder and it, and it fired and it went off for me and it blew up that, you know, did a partial bit of twist of fate, isn't it? A little bit of yeah. luck involved. Yeah. So uh, we started to move forward again. We're taking more intense fire from that same position because there was trees and shrubs mm -hmm. around it. And uh, so rather than waste any more time, I told one of my men to uh, use in sign language because of all the uh, battle noise. You know, to go up there and throw a grenade over the top. You yeah. know, kind of using sign language. He thought I meant throw it from where we were at. And he did, and it went off in front, didn't do any damage. So uh, rather than waste any more time, because it was starting to get dark, and we wanted to get up there to try to get to that platoon before it, uh, it got dark. So uh, I, I told my men to hold their fire and don't shoot me up, and I ran across about 30 meters of open terrain and got to the bunker, the position, and threw the grenade over the over the top. It was a big solidified rock anthill yeah. yeah. with trees and shrubs all around it, and uh, it went off and destroyed a lot of the, the uh, North Vietnamese. And, I went around to the left side, and uh, some more enemy were trying to shoot me. So I, uh, I used my M16 rifle and, and was able to silence uh, the uh, the other North Vietnamese. And when it was uh, pretty quiet there in, in that bunker, I told my men to come on. We've got to get going. And so uh, they uh, they started. To, we started to move forward, but uh, someone further in the background uh, shot me. Uh, mm and I, I got wounded in the jaw, it shattered my left jaw and went out my deflected downward under, underneath my, my right jaw. And so it was uh, a couple of my uh, men uh, 
I didn't have an aide man. My sergeant, one of my sergeants named uh, Tolliver, was a, uh, a medic in Korea, and then switched to the infantry. And he he was carrying our aid bag, and he came up and patched me up with a, a compress and and a couple of my troopers. Uh, I was a walking wounded. It just led me back to the command post, and I was evacuated by. Uh, uh, one of the pilots, Bruce Crandall or Ed Freeman, who also received the medal. Wow. It's the only, one of the few battles in Vietnam where the only battle... Multiple recipients. They they got the medal too, so that battle there were there were three recipients from the, that earned the Medal of Honor. Well, it gives you guys a bit of an idea as to just how intense that situation was. And we, uh, after three days of intense fighting, we went in with 450 and we lost uh, 79 uh, American soldiers of uh, mm -hmm. the 7th Cavalry killed in action, 121 were wounded. I was one of those uh, who was wounded in that, in that battle. It's Colonel Joe Marm, Purple Heart recipient, Medal of Honor recipient for gallantry on the battlefield in Vietnam, November the 14th, 1965. Last question, sir, before we let you go. Uh, your message to the next generation of American warrior. I know you get to meet with and speak with a lot of soldiers. It's just an honor to be uh, with uh, those uh, the new soldiers who were who, you know, back in my day, you'd have been I'd have been drafted, so I enlisted. Yeah. They don't have the draft anymore, so all of our all of the troops that are coming in are volunteers, and and I commend them for for you know for volunteering and to, and to being a great part of America we're the best the best country in the yes, world sir. because of our men and women in in uniform yes, and sir. that's very very special to be you know to, to talk to them and to be with them that's right and to share their their lives and their stories yeah. well thank you for sharing a bit of your God life bless. and your story with us this morning okay. God bless you thank Colonel you. Joe Marm I'm Brian Jodas for this episode of pick up the six podcast live from the USS Yorktown in Charleston South Carolina thank you Colonel thank you